chapter 9. And, uh, wow, that song was a blessing. You know, I'll just say this as a pre-announcement for those skeptics. None of this was planned. I literally, until two days ago, had a completely different message. And I knew this is what I was supposed to preach, and then he got up and sang the song, and my message, some of the points of my message are in that song. My wife has been practicing that song at our house. I had no idea what the song was. I had never heard it sung. I just was listening to it on the piano. That, that's amazing. And people that say that, that God is not real, well, you're not paying attention. Because if you look at the same guy in the mirror every day that I do, you're shocked at this kind of stuff. <laughs> As um, I was telling, um, I was trying to encourage one of our parents this morning, and I said, um, you know, you're not the, you, you may think sometimes that this only happens at your house, because this is what I say in junior church to the kids all the time, and this has nothing to do with the message, but I say to them, I go, I know this doesn't happen at your house, but at my house, we have children that do this sometimes, and I know none of you ever do anything like that. But at my house, this is what happens sometimes. And um, we were all lined up, ready to walk out the door to church this morning, and we had to have a training session. Well, we'll just call it a training session. And we had to recalibrate some things and start all over again. <laughs> but you know what? That happens. That's part of uh, what Pastor was talking about in Sunday school this morning, about the arrows and, you know, it's work. <laughs> and guess what? Those, your kids are sometimes used, not by the Lord necessarily, <laughs> you feel like, because you're trying to do what's right, and then they test you, and they say, go ahead. I know you don't want to deal with me right now, so that's why I'm going to act this way right now. <laughs> I know we have a time schedule to keep, so now I'm going to show you what I think about our time schedule, all right? <laughs> but... Just keep at it. If you're a young parent, I'm not, my kids are still got a long way to go, okay? So I'm not saying that we've arrived. We're far from it, especially me. We're far from it, but we're, we're, we're trying, right? And that's what, you, that's what you can do. That's what the Christian life is all about, trying and just keep going. But Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, and we're going to read verse 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray, and I have in my Bible written in really big letters, Pray, capital P-R-A-Y, Ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can be here today. I pray that you would help us to be attentive to what you have for us from your word. I know there's a different, a lot of different people in this room in different places in their spiritual life and different areas of growth and, and that everybody needs, some, some of them need something different than others. And I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I pray that you'd be honored and glorified in what I do and what I say. And uh, I just pray that you would um, be pleased and that you'd uh, help us to see or be reminded of the importance that, uh, that we have that in this world today, and that's to, to witness to others and to spend time uh, sharing the gospel and, and loving other people. And I pray, again, that you just be pleased and glorified, that you'd help me to say everything I'm supposed to and help me to uh, not say the things I'm not supposed to say. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have, we, we actually, uh, uh, let me rewind a little bit. We were in, in our junior church this morning. We talked about um, three things that were lost. There was the, the law in, in Luke chapter 15. There was the lost coin. There was the lost, help me out kids, the lost son and the lost what? What was the, Titus? Lost sheep or cow. Somebody says a cow. That's because I told the story about a cow, but they got a little confused about what was lost. Um, but there was those three lost things, and we, we saw the importance of that in our class. And then, and then I was, because I, so I was already thinking that direction. And like I said, you know, um, any of you that have ever taught a class or preached or done anything, you, you get, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a battle. Because you get a certain idea, you, you think of something, and, and if you're like me, in the back of my Bible, on, on loot extra space on papers that I have, there's all these ideas. When I know that I'm supposed to preach a certain day or whatever, I'll start writing. And I, I had this whole message all ready to go on James chapter 4, but I just couldn't, I was like, oh, come on, I want to preach this, why can't I? Just preach this. This would be a whole lot easier than staying up till midnight last night, which I'm not a midnight person, okay? So there was, if something doesn't sound right, I blame it on Diet Coke, no sugar added, okay? Because that's all I could find to keep me awake. <laughs> so I had to run to the gas station and get some, because we don't have any in our house. So I was like, I need some caffeine. But I knew coffee wouldn't do it. Caffeine, yeah. See, it's the Diet Coke, no sugar added right there. It's getting to me, right? I blame it all on the caffeine, okay? <laughs> but so I, I started to think about this, and this is something that's been on, that I've been going through and, and thinking over. And of course, we've been using these verses on Sundays and Wednesdays before the service. And uh, here we have an example of a, a, a crowd of people, as we know the story. I don't have to set a lot of background for you, but it's a crowd of people that are gathered together. And depending on your, your walk of life, some of you may not deal with a crowd of people on a regular basis, um, but you're dealing with people. And so I just want to go down through and just remind us to, today, and I'll try to be quick because I know the coffee's going to start wearing off from the lunch, okay? And we're going to lose the crowd, and we don't want to do that, all right? So if, you, if I can't fall asleep, you can't fall asleep. How about that, okay? <laughs> I usually take a nap on Sunday afternoons, all right? So... We're going to talk about Jesus's, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right. I'm not. Is Jesus's prayer request, 
It says in this passage, he says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. First of all, I want us to look at the realm of Christ's compassion. The realm is, is the world. We all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you understand, and this is um, not sure exactly the timeliness of the, sometimes when you look up stats, and I didn't look up these on Google either. This is a book, okay? You can find things in books. And I found this in a book, but it said, Barely one-third of all adults, now this is talking about the world, okay? Barely one-third of all adults know the meaning of the, expre- of the expression, the gospel. If you asked, if you, if you uh, uh, asked, stood at the door at Wegmans, which seems to be the meeting place in Auburn, you stood at, or the meeting of Freedom Baptist Church, I wouldn't believe how many church members I see in there, but if you stood at that door at Wegmans and you asked people coming in, and you gave him a piece of paper and you said, check yes or no if you've ever heard of the term, the gospel, I think you would be shocked, even in the United States, to find out how many people don't know what the gospel is. I talk to guys I work with about the gospel and they have no clue what I'm talking about. We're talking about good people that come to work every day, that are responsible workers, that, are, that have... Kids that are pretty good kids and all these things. They have no concept of what the gospel is. And we all know what the gospel is. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Basically, he, buried, he was buried and he rose again the third day. The Bible tells us that's the gospel. Simple. But it, so simple that we, we miss it. Uh, that's why Jesus, and we all know this, but Jesus compares those that get saved. You have to be like a child. Because what does a child, a child has no problem, and we know this, but a child has no problem asking for help, especially the younger they are. They have no problem asking for help. I need help tying my shoes. I need help with my tie. I need help with this. I, right? I need help. But what do we do? And I know this is the way I am. I don't like to ask for help. You can ask my wife. I'm horrible at asking for help. I, I want to do it myself. I want to figure it out myself. I want to lift it myself. Right? We, we uh, recently disposed of our hot tub that was not functional, we found out. And um, my wife says, why don't you call somebody and have them help you? I said, no, I'll take care of it. She's like, you, are, you never learn, do you? And I go, yeah, you're right, I don't, I don't learn. And I'm over there and I'm lifting up the side of the hot tub. And she goes, what did you just do to your shoulder? And I said, I didn't do anything to my shoulder. She goes, I saw the look on your face. You just did something to your shoulder. And I was like, oh, I thought I had that covered up. <laughs> she said, no, I figured it out, right? We like to do things ourselves. We like to be the, or maybe you're not like me. I, 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 have, I have to work really hard to get myself out of the way. That's just the way I am. And, and, it's, and to a certain point, all of us deal with that. So there's the realm. There's the world. There's, there's people everywhere. You know what? Um, I grew up, okay, I know this, a lot of you younger kids have no concept of what I'm talking about, but I'll tell you, it really got my attention when I was a kid. But I can, if, if I had a dollar for every time I heard the song, and I'm not knocking the song, but people need the Lord. We'd have missionaries come in and they'd set up a 
projector viewfinder, you know, like slides. I know you don't have any clue what that is, some of you, right? And they would just click through these things, and some of them would even be so advanced that it would automatically advance the pictures. And you just sit there and be like, wow, this guy's, this guy's really got his act together. And it would automatically, and they'd play that song. But you know what? It made me think, as a kid, there's people that need the Lord. Because it's easy to get, just like the song said, it's easy to get in, well, you know, my family, we're trying to do what's right, and we're going to a good church, and this and that, and it's us four and no more, and it's these four walls, and that's it. When outside, there's people that are dying and going to hell on a daily basis. And we forget about that sometimes. Um, the laborers are few, it says. And this is uh, moving down a little bit. It says, laborers are few. Only about, listen to this. I read this in, a, in a book, another book I was reading. It says, only about half, that's 53% of born-again Christians, feel a sense of responsibility to tell others about their faith. In other words, nearly half of born-again Christians do not think that it is their personal responsibility to share Christ with others. Now, I'm not sure how accurate that number is. I hope, that's, I hope we're higher than half in our church, right? But there's, a, there's, there's kind of this, and it shouldn't be this way, because we get cold and this is how it happens. You get saved and you say, well, I'm, I'm good, so... That's, you know, I'm good and my kids are good and my wife's saved and we're all good now. It shouldn't be that way. There, if, if, if uh, to me, if this COVID, whatever you want to call it thing, if it caused me to do one thing, it, it caused me to realize how, how much we're in trouble. And I'm not talking about other countries. I'm talking about in America. We have some serious problems. We, I mean, ju just turn on your news. I don't really, I don't watch the news. Other, maybe five minutes of news a week. I think I turned it on to watch the weather the other day. Um, but just watch the news for 10 minutes and you'll find out we have some serious problems. We have people that are blinded spiritually in our world and it's our responsibility to tell them. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sure that others have been praying but I've been praying that with these door hangers, that people that there is still people that are trapped in their homes by choice. They decide not to leave and I'm whatever you, you do what you think you need to do. OK, but I'm praying that some of these door hangers get to someone's house and that they they take them and they now have time to stop and think and read. And they look over it and it gets their attention because not a lot of people are hanging things on people's at least. Well, at least where I live, nobody hangs anything on your door. But, and you get it and read it. And we can reach some people. And just like, just like Pastor said, I mean, nights that you go out, take your whole family out. And I think I said this last time I preached, but I'll tell you something. The best memories, some of the best memories I have when I was a kid was Saturday visit. We used to go out on Saturdays, not every Saturday, but we'd go out on Saturdays and going with different members of the church or going with our whole family and freezing to death. And I remember one particular, I know fast food is a big thing now, I guess, I don't know, but we hardly ever went to fast food places. But one of my, my favorite memories from being a kid is going out and freezing to death and then going to McDonald's for hot chocolate. That, and it built, still back then, McDonald's hot drinks burned your lips off. 
like they do now. I don't even like getting hot stuff from there because it's, it's amazing somebody hasn't lost their life with that hot, their hot drinks there. But I, I remember that. And I, you say, well, you're remembering the hot chocolate. Well, yeah, I am remembering the hot chocolate. But I remember what we were doing. I remember that, hey, somebody thought it was important enough to go out and tell people about the Lord. And hey, we ended up with some hot chocolate along the way. Right? But we, we went out and did it. Your kids can do that. But you know what? Your kids are only going to do it if you're doing it. They notice how you interact with people. Believe it or not. They see, and, and, and I'm, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, one of my children, and I, I may have already told you guys this story, but one of my children repeated some of my choice statements about our governor as he was putting his mask on walking into a store. And I was embarrassed. And I looked myself right in the mirror and I said, that's your fault. I didn't blame my son. He was just repeating what his father said. But as he's putting on his mask, he's saying, oh, Cuomo, I'm so sick of it. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder where he heard that before. And I said, oh, oh. But I knew, I took responsibility for it. It's my fault. I'm the one that's been saying that. Well, guess what? Hopefully, we set some good examples and we labor and our kids follow that example and you know what? Let's look at Christ's example. Forget our example. Let's look at Christ's example. Turn over to John chapter 4. And I, there's no other better example to look at, I think, obviously, than, than Jesus. But there's three things that he did in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 7. And we'll read verse 7 through 15. It says in John chapter 4, verse 7. Actually, we'll start in verse 6. And it says, now Jacob's well was there. Now, let's re- and we know this, but let's move up to verse 1 to look at who is involved in this also. The Pharisees. And we've been, I, I really had, I already knew this, but I've really been doing a study when we're, we've been talking a lot about the Pharisees in junior church, and some people, including us at times, we say, well, we're not, we're not the Pharisees, which we're not, but we can act like the Pharisees. We can uh, walk around thinking that everyone else is the problem and not us. We can uh, walk around and we can um, put on airs, as the old saying goes, you know, and act like we're something that we're not, Right? And I've actually, I've, I've heard, thankfully not our pastor, but I've heard actual pastors make this statement. Independent, let's, let's clarify, independent Baptist, you go down through the whole line and you'd say they line up doctrinally with what we believe. Say, well, we want to win the kids, but we don't want to see them. We want, we want them to go to heaven. I've actually heard a pastor say this. We want them to go to heaven, but we don't want them in our church. Talking about kids from poorer neighborhoods. And I said, huh? Did you just say that out loud? It's one thing to think it, but to to say it out loud. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? Well, guess where that comes from? That comes from pride. That comes from 
we're all capable of getting that far out of touch with what happened to us that we, we start to feel that. So Jesus goes down through in verse 7 through 10, and he says, There cometh a woman, in verse 7, of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So she's, in other words, she's saying, Don't you know who I am? You don't deal with people like me. Now I hope, and I don't think this is the case, but I hope that that's never said of our church. Oh, why are you taking time to talk to me? I thought Christians didn't talk to people like me. There is that that happens. There is Christian people that have classifications of people and classifications of different things and say, well, I don't talk to people like that, right? So he says, Art thou, verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And I, and I have three uh, things that I wrote down underneath this. Christ witnessed to an unlikable, unlovable woman. That's what she was. She was not someone that, that was uh, going to win uh, the most popular uh, woman of the year. That's the indication I get from this, this passage. He says, uh, he, he witnesses to her, she's an unlikable, unlovable woman. She's not somebody that is of, of high standing in the community. Let me ask you this. What is your thought process when you see lost people? Do you look down upon them? Do you think that you're better than them? And you say, well, no. Do you ever stop to talk to them? You may say no. You don't think that. But when's the last time you stopped and talked to somebody that was lost? When's the time you, last time you saw somebody sitting on a bench that looked like they hadn't had a shower in months and was not properly dressed. I mean, say properly dressed as far as their clothes were old and, and you could just tell, and you sat down and had a conversation with them. That was the big, and we've been studying this in junior church, that was the biggest problem that the Pharisees had with Jesus. They hated the fact and, and, and were so, uh, so upset with him that he would take time. They said, he can't be God. He can't be, he can't be the Messiah. He's wasting his time with sinners. That's what they would say. But sometimes we do the same thing. And, and this is how we, okay, and so maybe, okay, I'm going to talk about myself. So if you fall into what I do sometimes, then you can apply it. So I'm not... Sometimes I think, well, if I give out a certain number of tracks and I go put door hangers on somebody's door or I go knock on somebody's door, then that's all I have to do. I'm okay. 
Now, those things are right. The Bible says that we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to go out on the highways and hedges, and we're supposed to compel them to come. We're supposed to bring them into God's house, correct? That's what it says. But here's what we do. We, have a, we do a checklist sometimes. Again, talking about myself, sometimes I, in the past, have done a checklist, and I say, well, as long as I check off these boxes, then I'm okay. We used to, I remember when I was in college, and I understand the concept behind it. I really do, because they're trying to keep track of what the kids are doing. But we used to have a, um, I forgot what they're called now. What is it called? Soul winning report. Every Sunday night, you had to turn in your soul winning report. And if you didn't turn in your soul winning report, you got marked off on your grade. And you had to put down there how many doors you knocked on that week, how many hours you had been out, how many tracks you passed out, go down through the thing. And here's what would happen sometimes, and it wasn't just, it happened to a lot of different people because we, we would talk about it, is they, you would, you'd, you'd, if you weren't careful, it was a checkoff thing. It was another thing you had to do. And you check it off, and you say, well, I did four hours of door knocking and I passed out 15 tracks or whatever. I'm good now. It, it's, it's very easy to fall into that. Well, I checked everything. All I checked all the boxes, so now I'm okay. Well, no. What, what did you do when you saw someone in need? Have you ever stopped and asked someone when you see their car broken down on the side of the road if they needed help? This is what I've heard people say, and I've even thought this myself, so I'm not just condemning other people. Well, it might be a trick. They're acting like they're broken down, and they're just going to rob me, so I'm not going to stop, because that's just not, they would rob me, and that's just not a good use of God's um, money that he's given me. I've heard people say that. I've even thought it myself. I, I, I can't stop. I'm, I'm in a hurry. Jesus specialized in finding people in need and helping them fix their need. All through the New Testament, you find example after example after example of him doing that. And they weren't always the greatest people. Secondly, and this is another thing that if we're not careful, we forget about, is he addressed the issue of sin. Later on in this passage, you'll find he talked to this woman about her sin. What do we do a lot of times? What, I shouldn't say we do, but I've noticed this trend lately is let's talk about the love of God. Let's talk about the love of God. And God is love, and God so loved the world, and I understand all that, but we are still a world full of sinners, and we are still people that sin, and sin is still our biggest problem. But what do we do? We talk about all this fluffy nonsense. I can't stand that. It makes me want to puke. We are sinners. We have a need of, sin, of our sin being forgiven. We are sinners. We do wrong things. And as Christians sometimes, you talk to some people and the indication they give is, oh, we don't do anything wrong. And I wake up every morning. I leap to my feet. And lift my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. And I never do anything wrong. And I can't even remember the last time I sinned. At least that's what their social media profile says. And, and all this. We have to be careful. There, and you know what people need to see too? People need to see that we make mistakes. 
People need to see that we're sinners. Why? This is why I like to do this, just because sometimes as a parent, okay, I feel like I'm really fumbling the ball. Okay? So I like to give other parents, I try to give other parents encouragement and say, I know, guess what? Everybody has bad days. And I'm not putting myself in the classification of the perfect parent, okay, by saying this. But I mean, even people that think they have their act together parent-wise, they still have days. They still have marathon sessions. And if you want to know what that is, you can ask me about it later, okay? Everybody's been there. That's why it's so important. You know, I, I've learned to, that's why it's so important to talk to people. And you know what? That, that applies in Christianity. That applies in, with the lost, too. And saying, listen, I'm not, I talk, talk to the guys at work. I say, you know what? I'm not always the husband that I should be. I'm not always the father that I should be. I make mistakes. But I try my best to get it right with God and then get it right with others. And I'll tell another tale on myself. Not proud of it. Coming home from church on a Wednesday night, this is what you need to do, though. You have to tell people, you have to give this example. Coming home from church on a Wednesday night, I get pulled over. And I know none of you have ever done anything where it gets you to be pulled over. It's just me. I have a lead foot. I got pulled over in the city of Auburn. Police officer comes up to the window. Kind of had an attitude, okay? Let's just be fair. He kind of had an attitude. And I started to have an attitude. Then he has one of his partners come up alongside the car. And I'm thinking, really? A husband and a wife, four kids in the back, is this really necessary? Like we're running drugs right through downtown here. I'm thinking. I'm just telling you my mindset. And uh, so he then says, he says, I'm going to give you a ticket. And I said, are you being... And I, this is my response. And it was wrong. I said, are you serious? Just like that. And he goes, yes, I'm serious. And yes, you're getting a ticket. So he, pulled, he walks back to his car, whatever. And one of my kids said, he can't give... I can't remember what they said. And I said, stop right there. Daddy is completely in the wrong and he deserves to be punished. I broke the law. So I called the police station when we got home. And I said, I'd like to speak to Officer so-and-so. And they said, why do you need to speak to him? And I said, because I need to apologize to him. The woman about dropped the phone. And I said, I was wrong. My kids were in the car. And I teach my kids to be respectful to police officers and to show respect to authority, and their father had a moment and was wrong, completely wrong, and I need to apologize to him. And that's what I did. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I teach my kids to be respectful. I teach my kids to o obey the law. I, I said, and I was disrespectful towards you, and that was wrong, and that was a bad example. And he said, wow, <laughs> this has never happened before. You said, how was that? That shows, a, you know what people have a problem with? Not just in Christianity, really in the world, 
people don't like to admit that they did something wrong. They don't like to admit that they're wrong. I work in a place where 95% of the people have a story of why they're there and how it's not their fault. Most inmates don't, their biggest problem is they can't admit that they made a mistake. It's, it's the system's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my surroundings. It's this. It's that. Well, sin goes all back to sin. We all have a problem with sin, every single one of us. And last of all, so he witnessed to her an unlikable, unlovely woman. He addressed the issue of sin. And last of all, he forgot his own needs. Where were the disciples? Disciples went to get something to eat. They're off getting something to eat, and he cares more about a lost soul. He was ready to put aside his hunger. He was ready to put aside his thirst. He, let's put it in our modern terms, he was, he was okay with setting aside some time. You know why we don't stop and talk to people a lot of times? Because we say, that doesn't fit into my schedule. I have to be such and such a place I have this going on. I have a full list of things to do today. I don't have time to talk to this person. Can I just say this? It's dealing with sinners and being, being, being a witness. In order to reach sinners, you have to spend time with sinners. Now, I'm not saying, and you know, because it's been preached from here, and you know what the Bible says. Don't say, oh, well, I heard in church on Sunday that we're, we should go down and hang out at the bar and drink with the sinners because I have to be with them to reach them. That's not what I'm saying, and you know that. What I'm saying is you have to spend time with them. If you, what did they have a problem with Jesus with? He spent time with sinners. He ate with sinners. That was their biggest problem with him. One of the bigger problems. They said, they, we don't like the fact that he spends time with sinners. Now, let me ask you this. Does anybody think that about you? Does anybody think that about me? They should. They should say, oh, why was he talking to that person? Because that person has a need. Can I just say this? And it, it requires time. And this is something that I learned from my father that I've, I try to do. You would never know the impact that you make when you show up at somebody you work with when you show up at the calling hours of their family. And you think, well, it's... Listen, you literally spend... If, there's, it's, if, it's, if it's a big calling hours, you literally spend 10 seconds talking to the person if there's a huge line because everybody's they're trying to move people through. I can list off guy after guy that I work with that I could never talk to. There's one guy in particular I'm thinking of. I could, he never would, we could never talk about anything because he, he just was very abrasive, all these things. And his mom uh, died, and I went to the calling hours, and he gives me a big hug, and ever since then, goes out of his way to talk to me at work. 
goes out of his way. Why? Because I showed that I care. That, hey, you're in a time of need. You're hurting. I'm willing to be there to help you and be a blessing to you and do what I can. Or um, you say, well, I don't know if I'm, that's necessarily what I should do. There's lots of different ways. Be creative. Ask your wife. Women are good at figuring out these kind of things. There's another, uh, somebody that we know whose uh, mom died of cancer every year. Not every year, but we, one year we sent her uh, a big flower bouquet. Thinking of you on Mother's Day. Think about it. We don't think about these things. I'm telling you this because it took me a while to figure this out. That, hey, if someone lost their mom, Mother's Day is a difficult time. Well, why not think of a way to be a help to them? And guess what that might do? That, that, that particular person, again, I've had so many conversations with her about the gospel because we sent some cheap flowers. And they, I don't mean cheap flowers. You know, we didn't get them at the dollar store, okay? But what, you know what I mean. It didn't cost us that much in the grand scheme of things to do that. Little things. Like, you know, hey, it's Memorial Day tomorrow. What, what way can you reach out to a veteran? Or to someone that lost a loved one. Can I tell you something? Memorial Day is, I just, it, it, it took on a whole new meaning in our family years ago. But you think about America and, and all that God has done for us. And you, you look at all these men that have sacrificed we're talking about, we were just talking about this the other day, how sad it is. This, is. this is another reason we need to wake up in America. Do you know that, and I'm not saying that it's okay to lie, okay, don't get me wrong. Do you know how many men lied and said they were a different age than they were to go serve in World War II? We're talking about, and not just World War II, that happened in the War of 1812, that happened in the Revolutionary War, that's happened a lot in our history. Men that lied and said they, they wanted so bad, they knew they had to stand for truth. There's a man, and, and President Reagan speaks about him all the time in a lot of his speeches. There's an, a man named Martin Treptow. And Martin Treptow was a doctor. If I remember my story straight, was a doctor and left. And, and when they died, they found a book. And in the flyleaf of the book, he wrote my pledge. And he talks about how if I don't go fight for my country, America is not going to be what America was created to be. That's the difference. But you know what? Our churches aren't going to be what they used to be or what they could be if we don't win the lost. And if we don't, we don't win the lost because we don't spend time with people. We don't, we don't reach out to people like we should. We have to get outside of our, it takes, outside of our comfort zone, outside of the four walls, right? And we have to spend time with people. You know what? There's a, listen, we have, we have, and we know this, but we have the truth. 
But sometimes we don't act like we have the truth. There's, there's needy people. Listen, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of people in this world right now that are very confused. Our country is in a very dangerous position. And there's people that are looking, looking for truth. Do you know they're closing churches all over this country? They're closing Baptist churches too. But they're, this city, they're closing a whole bunch of churches. Why? Because nobody's going to church. How much more is it important for us to forget about ourselves and forget about our needs? And I'm not saying, well, I'm just letting myself go because I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, forget, get off of our personal maintenance and always worrying about the number one guy and looking in the mirror and saying, you know, it's all about me and care for others. Last of all, quickly, let's look at the responsibility. The responsibility. We need to pray for laborers for two areas and then we'll be done. Pray for laborers for the world, foreign fields, and for America. It says that there is, now this is, could be an old, old stat from the book that I got it from, but there's only 1,400 pastors per million people in the United States. There's only 56 missionaries per million people in Africa, 30 missionaries per million people in South America, 20 missionaries per million people in Korea, and 15 missionaries per million people in India. Would you say there's a need? <laughs> right? There's, there's people, that are, there's people that, are, that are needed. Think about America. You know, there's, I never thought I would see the day when foreign missionaries would leave, and this is happening more and more, foreign missionaries are leaving the foreign field to come back to America to start churches because America is in bad shape. There's, the missionaries have been leaving the fields and coming back here to America. There's the this, this same, looking through, I was looking through, it, uh, it was a, it's a study on churches, this thing I was looking at. But 85% of churches in America are plateaued or declining. That's not good. J.O. Frazier was a missionary to China in the early 1900s. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But he credited the conversion of hundreds of Lysu families to the prayers of his very earnest little prayer group back in England. He said, Christians at home can do as much for foreign missions as those actually on the field. It will only be known on the last day how much has been accomplished in missionary work by the prayers of earnest believers at home. Our prayer life is important. Like I said, we need to not only, we obviously follow Christ's example about loving the unlovable, but then we need to pray. This says in this passage that we read in the beginning, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. 
We don't just need them in, in foreign fields. We need them here. And we need to pray. How much do you... Let me ask you this in, in, in closing. How much do you pray for our city? How much do you pray for our missionaries? That, you know, um, a lot of times... And, and here's why you should spend time. Let me encourage you with this. This is why you should spend time whenever we have missionaries come here. We try, and we're not always, it's not always allowed, schedulized, or whatever, but we try to have them over to our house as much as possible and let our kids be around them and find out, you know, they're everyday people who just want to serve the Lord and they try to do what's right and they're not perfect people. But to give us an indication of what they deal with on a daily basis. Can you imagine what it's like to wake up in a country where you're looked at as a stranger? I know a guy, um, his, he has, he, his boys are all six foot something tall and all have red hair and they're all church planners in China. Can you imagine? They really stick out in China, okay? First of all, they're really tall and they have red, bright red hair. But they wake up in a country every day and people there, it's illegal to have a church in China. They've told me, they said, listen, they know what we're doing. They just allow it to continue. But they know exactly what's going on. My father-in-law has told me that. My father-in-law has been arrested by the KJB. Can you imagine getting arrested for preaching the gospel? That's what our missionaries deal with. He says, they know that we're not just here to teach English. They know exactly what's going on. Well, again, it goes back to that. Praying for our missionaries. Praying for our city. You know, we start out, I hope that you spend not just Tuesdays, but I hope that you spend some time praying over those, those tracks that are going out. Praying for the people that are going to be reading them. You know, there's, there's people that, some people in this town, that their family, and we may not even know these people, their family possibly could have been praying for them for years to be saved. And maybe this is what it takes for them to get that, and that finally the eyes, their eyes open. And the, there's a, a radio station I listen to, and they have a channel, uh, they have a broadcast every day, they give a little, little testimony about, from, uh, I think it's, I forget the name of the track company, but they give a testimony about someone that was saved from a gospel track on this program. Every day, there's someone on there. And they talk about, they give a little testimony. I was, this was happening in my life. I wasn't saved. I read a track left in the bathroom. or and it, Simple things like that. And they get saved. We never know. But do we take our job seriously? Are we having compassion which goes a long way, and loving others, and are we praying for, for the laborers, but also being a laborer ourselves? Let's take this matter seriously if we want to win the lost, and that's the only way that it's going to happen. Let me just read this one quote, and then I'll be done. William Carey had a man say this to him before he went Overseas, He said, sit down, young man. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without your aid or mine. Well, obviously, William Carey ignored him. But you know what? There's a lot of people 
that'll come along and try to take your time and try to muck up your schedule. But the most important, I mean, listen, if God didn't have a plan for us to spread the gospel, he would have saved us and taken us to heaven. We, we have something we're supposed to be doing. And we need to keep that in the forefront of our minds and pay attention to what's going on around us. And you know what? I'll just say this. It doesn't cost a whole lot of money. Yeah, we need to give. I'm not saying we shouldn't give. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't cost a whole lot of money to love someone, to show compassion to someone, to do a simple thing like help somebody with their groceries in the parking lot. You have no idea how kind, that, that kind, I, 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 told, I, I told one of my sons this. We were talking about something, and he, and he said, I want to do such and such. Um, and I said, you know, son, one of the ways you can really be a testimony in this world more than ever. I said, yeah, it's important to give people literature. It's important to talk, all that. I go, just be a kind person. We have a shortage of kindness in America. And kindness, open, you know, the Bible says, a, a gift maketh room. Simple thing of kindness. The gift of kindness will open a lot of doors for you to share the gospel and will make a difference in our community and will make a difference in our world just by showing kindness. So let's make sure that we're doing the things that we should do to be a witness. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I'm thankful for um, the way that you work and the way that we see your hand in our lives and we see uh, the blessings that you give us. Um, thank you for salvation. Thank you that uh, it's free. And I pray that you'd help us to do our part to show compassion and love to others and uh, help us to be a testimony that, like we should be and to uh, bring honor and glory to your name. Help us as we go out on, on Tuesdays uh, here coming up that you'd give us um, opportunities to, to talk to some people, that you would also open up some doors as a result of the scripture being in people's hands for us to see people come to church and to see people saved and uh, to see uh, growth. And we thank you uh, for today and for the services that we could have and for the way that you uh, work in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.